0: Christ's mission is our mission. There's a reason why our call to share Christ and his gospel is called the Great Commission. Not just another commission, it is the greatest task you will ever be assigned. Do you know that the tremendous blessing of helping somebody walk from darkness into light is an opportunity that we will never have again after we die? Never. There's no lost people in heaven. There's no need for evangelism. You have one chance to be a part of the work of Christ in saving someone's soul. And you're living in that chance right now. Good morning to the saints who are in Williamsburg and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of glorious grace with which he has blessed us and the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. In him we have obtained inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory. In him, you also who have heard the truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. We all were once dead in the trespasses and sins in which we all once walked, following the course of this world following the prince of power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons and daughters of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us live. Together with Christ. By grace we have been saved and raised up with Him and seated with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming age He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down his flesh to dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the Christ, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off in peace to those who hear. For through him we have both access in one spirit to the Father. Let us pray. O oh God, as we come before you with our heads bowed and our hearts raised, before you, our Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, according to the riches of your glory, may you grant us to be strengthened with the power through your spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith that we being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints among us what is the breadth and length and height and depth that we would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to you, you who are able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to you be the glory in the church. To you be the glory through your son, Jesus Christ, through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Well, as Pastor Colin said, uh, my name's Dave Peterson. I am the pastor of Soul Care at Coastal Church. I've also waited three years to preach at Coastal Church in Williamsburg. Yes, ma'am. I oversee the equipping and counseling ministry. But I'm also a member of this congregation and so I'm excited to be here this morning and so thankful that Pastor Colin entrusted his rickety pulpit to me. We need, we need to get this fixed. Caleb, was that you on the video? Yeah, that's what I thought, recognize that voice. If you would, turn with me to Ephesians chapter four. This is one of my, if, if anyone who spent any time in counseling with me knows, this is one of my favorite chapters. And this morning we're gonna go briefly through this chapter. That's why your notes are already filled in on your bulletin so we don't have to waste time trying to write those down while you're trying to wrangle your children. And we're gonna review this chapter in both reflection of last year and looking forward in preparation for the next as we seek to make 2024 a year of walking worthy in our identity. And while you're turning there, um, I was moved a couple weeks ago by how many children we had on the stage worshiping our almighty God before. So wasn't that amazing? And, and I know, guys, that kids, you're used to getting dismissed at this time. And, and we're going to keep you here with us today. And I have two things that I require I need help in. The first one is there is no clock on that back wall. N- none. And if, if you've ever wondered why Pastor Colin might sometimes go long, well, he's moved by the Spirit and the lack of a clock. So kids, I'm going to need your help. On the clocks at 1020, which is when the big hand is on four, quietly just do this so I know that it's 1020 and we've reached the halfway point. And the next thing I need is, now now I need you all to stand up. All the kids, if you would normally be dismissed at children's church, stand up because I need your help. Can you see me? Kids, can you see me? Okay, I need you to guess what kind of animal I am. Can you do that? Okay, what's this? Chicken. Very good. What's this one? Elephant. Very good. And this is my wife Stephanie's favorite one. She loves it when I used to do this in Walmart behind her. What's this one? A gorilla. You guys are great. Good job. All right, now I need you to tell me. What kind of mood am I in? Angry. Angry. That's good. Okay. What about this one? I'm scared. Great. Now the last one. Which one's this? Commander's fan? Is that what someone said? I'm sad and crying. That's right. Thank you so much for your help. Please sit down. You did great. You know, we have a lot of kids here at Coastal and you might be asking yourself, How many volunteers do you need for a group that size? Well, let me tell you, we need 27 more. So if you could stop and see Rachel Smith by the counter, we'd love to have 27 more volunteers because our hope here at Coastal is that we can spend one weekend a month with the kids, three weekends a month in church with worship. You don't have to be a parent. Men, secret Coastal unknown code here. Men are not allowed according to coastal policy to change diapers. Whatever a great reason for us to go volunteer in the nursery, right? We don't have to deal with it. So if you're interested, please see Rachel at the registration desk. All right, how we walk, the way that we walk we can be identified with. We've identified by poor and imitation, but the poor imitation, but we were able to see it was a chicken. It was an elephant. It was a gorilla. We can see what kind of moods we're in, what, what, what's reflecting our heart. It, it shows how we identify ourselves. We can tell a lot about how someone walks. And in the Bible, when we read about someone's walk, we're talking about more than just their posture or their facial expressions. When the Bible talks about our walk, he's talking about how we live our life. Paul opens the letter to Ephesians by identifying himself as an apostle. And he's not just pronouncing his authority, but his identity, his inspiration and motivation behind his letter. We opened with a brief overview of the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians. No, that wasn't a great, amazing speech that I wrote. It was inspired by the Holy Spirit through the apostle Paul, and it's important because we have to know what our identity is before we talk about how we walk it. In chapter three and four, which is a little bit different from one and two, where he's pronouncing his identity as an apostle, in chapters three and four, he identifies himself as a desmios, a desmios, a prisoner person who's been confined in jail, one of the lowest societal positions you can have. It's interesting, he identifies himself as a prisoner and a slave. At those times, the two lowest social positions. But he identifies himself as a prisoner in the Lord. This reminder that no matter what our current location, no matter what our current situation as long as our identity remains in the Lord, it does not matter that we can take encouragement. We can take encouragement no matter what our situation. And we can seek to walk worthy of the one who has called us out of darkness. Now, when we understand the idea of worthy, we have to understand it in its biblical context. It's not talking about having that we have enough value. What, what it means to, when we walk worthy, it means walking according to our new life. Walking in a way that is proper and fitting to our new life in Christ. And, and Paul continually repeats this, not only in Ephesians, but in Philippians 1.27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come or see, and see you or I'm absent, I hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. He he calls it out in Colossians 1.10 walk in a manner worthy of the Lord fully pleasing to him. Again in 1 Thessalonians 2.12 we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. This doesn't mean that we walk in a manner that shows our value. It means we walk in a manner that is fitting to where we have called. Because, friends, let's face it, without Christ, nothing we do has any value. All of our worth comes from the one who has saved us. We're going to spend the remainder of our time briefly considering four ways, four ways that we can grow and strengthen in our walk. The first one is we're going to walk worthy in our hearts. Ephesians 4, Paul says, Uh, starting in chapter 1, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in bond of peace. In the bond of peace. Let's break this down. Humility and gentleness. When we walk worthy, when we walk fitting to the life that we've been called, we walk with humility and gentleness. Biblical humility is valuing or assessing oneself appropriately, especially in light of one's own sinfulness. That Christians should renounce any superiority and revenge and with a modest, humble disposition, be prepared for service to the Lord. When we are humble, we do not think of ourselves bigger and greater than we are. We value others ahead of ourselves. Humility and gentleness. Gentleness here is better translated as meekness. It stands opposed to resentment, retaliation, or revenge at injustices. It involves an attitude of courtesy and a willingness to waive one's own rights. Our, our desire and gentleness does not come from a, a position of timidity or, or lack of courage, but, it, but it's strength under control. When we are gentle, we withhold what we think is our right to act, and with humility, seek to serve the other. I love Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, the only place in the Bible where Jesus talks about his own heart. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. When we walk with humility and gentleness, we will find ourselves walking with patience and endurance. Patience. Everyone loves that word, patience. We always ask for more patience, but when we understand biblically that the word patience would be better translated as long-suffering, many of us may not want so much Patience is a state of calm when confronted with a a provocation or misfortune and we respond without aggression or irritation. That when we're in a position that would provoke our hearts, we respond in an attitude of calmness. Paul tells Timothy that he received mercy foremost because Jesus, so that Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. This perfect patience of Christ is our model. We also can use Jesus Christ as our model when it comes to endurance, to, to bear unpleasant or difficult situations, especially if it's on the behalf of someone else. Hebrews 12, two, perfectly shows us how Jesus Christ did this when he, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, right? Why? Because of the joy that lay before him. He was able to endure the suffering of the cross. So we need patience and humility. We need gentleness and endurance, and we need to be eager for the unity of the spirit. To, to be eager, to be zealous, to, ha- to have an, imp- uh, an intense desire to see something happen with this, this impatient expen- expectancy. And I, I can't wait for it to happen. Many of us experienced that zeal on Christmas Eve. Right, kids? When we were waiting to open those gifts, That that impatience, I can't wait for it to happen. Are we there yet? Is it time yet? And we're eager for unity to sustain the state of oneness. Milton in his commentary on Ephesians says that peace is not an end in itself. Rather, it is the means by which the greater end of the unity of the spirit is continually preserved. Preserved. Let's think about that again, that we do not seek peace for peace itself. We seek peace because it is the means by which the greater end of unity, the spirit working through the bond, will be continually preserved. And, 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 and Paul hits this theme throughout Ephesians chapter 4. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and all. Ephesians 4:13. Until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In Ephesians 4:15 through 16, speaking the truth in love, we are able to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. And when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Throughout Ephesians, we're talking about this unity, this peace in the body because we are bound together by the same Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that flows through me, he is the same Holy Spirit flowing through you who have been saved and is promised to those who have not yet made that decision. We must be worthy in our hearts, seeking peace and unity and we must be worthy in our heads. Now I say this and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of the heart. They have become callous and given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. We must no longer walk Futile Futile is the, is, is, has no purpose It's useless When something is futile there is no point Thanks guys I see that Now I've, because you waved I've got a joke for you Did you hear the joke about the sword? Ah oh, don't worry about it It was pointless That's what futile is It's, 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 it's a pointless sword It has no use. Friends, if you are a believer of Christ, we have a purpose. Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. This is our purpose, church. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatever we eat, whatever we drink, whatever you do on New Year's Eve, do it all for the glory of God. We need to understand that the people of this world cannot understand these things because they're darkened in their minds. And they're alienated from God. And in our this year, as we walk worthy, we must no longer be alienated. Alienated means to be separate from a group, separate from a nation. You're a foreigner. But now in Christ Jesus Paul will tell us in Ephesians 2:13, you who once were far off, you who once were foreigners, alienated have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. And we begin to understand that we're no longer aliens. I saw a sweatshirt over here someone had chosen on it. All right, 1st Peter 2:9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, foreigners no longer, we have found a place that we call our home. In our Lord, God Almighty, friends. We're no longer alienated, we're no longer futile, and we're no longer selfish. Ephesians 4.19, they have become callous and given themselves up to every sensuality, greedy to practice of every kind. We need to see, think and understand that at the root of every sin is selfishness. We want to please ourselves. We want to be worshiped. We want to be glorified. We want to make decisions. But Paul would tell the Galatians that the life he now lives in the flesh, he lives by faith in the Son of God who loved him and gave himself for him. It's the same God who loves us, the same Son of God who gave his life for us. And so we begin to understand that we must put to death Sin and, and Christian, hear me. The reason why we put away sin is not because it's sin any longer. It's because it displeases a holy God. We have to understand that we don't get defined by what we can do and what we can't do as Christians. We do, we are defined by what our heart desires: to be holy, to be like God, to follow Jesus, to call Him Master. So we begin to seek how do we walk worthy in our habits. Ephesians 4, 22 through 28, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and instead we are to be renewed in the spirit of our minds, meaning we no longer seek that which we used to, we now seek something new, and we must put on the new self, because, let's face it, nature abhors a vacuum. And it's like our cat. If we ever moved something from our shelf, our cat, Sassy, would climb on that shelf in that empty spot. It was crazy. Did not like an empty space. And what we find in our own lives, our habits are the same way. That when we stop doing one thing, if we don't put something in its place, we're gonna find ourselves doing it again. If you go to um, do a Google search on blueletterbible.com, and put blueletterbible, put off and put on's, You're gonna get 78 different biblical uh, charges to put something off and 78 things to put on. Make sure that you put blue letter Bible, put off and put on. If you put turn off, turn on, there's nothing I can do with what you might see. Some of these things include a lack of love. We put off a lack of love, we put on love. We put off pride, we put on humility. We put off rebellion, we put on submission. We put off evil thoughts, we put on pure thoughts. We put off complacency, we put on zeal. The put off, put ons. And as we put them off, put things off and put things on, we also have to walk worthy in how we live in community. Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. If you've ever seen me with counseling, we probably memorized this verse together. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear and do not grieve the holy spirit of god by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption <clears throat> let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice be kind to one another tender hearted forgiving one another as god in christ forgave you we got some some things here to cover first we need to build each other up that no corrupting no destructive no worthless talks comes from our mouths Only that which is building up, constructive, edifying, building up the body of Christ into Christ-likeness. And if I want to build someone up into Christ-likeness, I must do so with Christ-likeness myself. And as it fits the occasion, meaning as it is needed for their sanctification. So I'm going to speak like Christ with the purpose of their sanctification conveying God's grace to the one that hears it. Not our graces. I'm not called to, be, to show my grace to someone when I speak to them. I'm to reflect God's grace, which has saved me through his son, Jesus Christ, and not grieving the Holy Spirit, meaning cause to be sad, sorrowful, distressed. We're not to grieve the Holy Spirit, and, and he reminds us the blessing that we've received from the Holy Spirit, and if we've received the Holy Spirit, we must cast off, but off, these things that are contrary. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice, evil. This verse, this verse reinforces this idea that the regenerating and unifying power of the Spirit flows through kindness, tenderheartedness, and forgiveness. and is contrary and hindered by bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander. And so then we, walking worthy, walk in this reality of the resurrection, that this kindness, this tenderheartedness, and this forgiveness comes because Christ has done it first for us. It's human goodness and generosity. It's compassionate, deep awareness and sympathy for one another's suffering forgiveness which is really in, in this context it's more of a, a, an attitude of how we deal with someone than actual the corporate f- uh, forgiveness of sinfulness throughout this passage we've been asked to consider Christ and so my challenge for myself this year and this is a challenge that I make to you read or listen to Ephesians chapter 4 each day every day for 365 days I'm going to either read or listen to Ephesians 4. It takes like 3 minutes and 28 seconds on the Bible app. And and this isn't going to be my devotion. This is a reminder daily of what my goal for each day will be, to walk worthy of the calling that we've received. And as I was going to invite the band up now, but it looks like they can tell time. And that's also a hint, right? Right? It's like the version of getting played off by, when you're at the Oscars. Real quick, if you're a member of Coastal, I invite you to walk worthy this year in fulfilling the commitment that we make as members of Coastal. On your, on your, on your uh, outlines, write this. When, to walk worthy as a member of Coastal, walk worthy in our hearts. That's connecting, connecting on corporate worship. We need to walk worthy in our heads as we grow in small groups and spiritual formation classes. We we need to walk worthy in our habits as we seek to serve. Like I said, we need 27 more volunteers in the children's ministry. And I know right now some of you are saying, but Dave, I'm an introvert. I don't want to work in a children's wing. Okay, the parking lot, the perfect place for introverts. I got to do it last week. If someone stops to talk to you, you just point and keep waving them on. They have to follow your directions. We need 16 more people in the parking lot. See John Fulberg, see myself. We'd love to have you. We need it for not only first impressions, but, but safety. And finally, how do we live in community? We multiply. Be disciple makers that encourage and engage and develop other disciple makers, inviting them intentionally to connect in corporate worship, inviting people intentionally to grow in your small group, inviting people intentionally to serve alongside you with a mission or ministry. Invite them into your life. And I want to close with an opportunity for those who have not yet come to accept Christ. I've got good news. You can walk worthy in the newness of life. I've got some good news. Jesus Christ, the same one whose birth we celebrated last week, died for you. Romans 5, 6, while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for you, and that while you're still a sinner... Christ still died for you. How do I know this? Because while I was still hostile to Christ in my heart, he died so that I would find forgiveness. How much more now have we who've been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him? If while we were sinners, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more, once we have been reconciled, shall we, we be saved by his life? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, we regard no one according to their flesh. Friends, if you are feeling unworthy, hear me. You will no longer be regarded for what you've done in the flesh. For if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This doesn't matter if it's pornography. This doesn't matter if it was an abortion, a homosexual lifestyle, or speeding on 199. God loves you. And it no longer holds what you've done in the flesh against you. Because the old has passed away. And the new has come. This is an opportunity to walk in a newness of life this year. This is from God who through Christ reconciled you to himself. Not counting your sins against you. And church, he has entrusted us with this message of reconciliation. We are ambassadors of Christ. And God is making his appeal through us. So if you have not yet come to that decision, please see me. See anyone who's walking around that looks like they know where they're at. And ask them, and if they don't know, they'll point you to someone who can. For we will not rest until all have reached that same stature of maturity in Christ. Let us pray. Almighty God in heaven, blessed be your holy name that you, the God of all eternity, providentially sent your son to die so that we would be restored to you in unity. Heavenly Father, you give us an opportunity to be freed from the shackles of the fleshly desires that we can have a newness of thought. It doesn't happen instantaneously, Heavenly Father, but because of your patience and your long suffering, you provide us opportunities to continue to learn and to grow. You provide us opportunities to be further shaped into your son, Jesus Christ. For those of us who are struggling last year with a secret sin, one that's been made known public. Let us be reminded of this newness, that that is no longer our identity. Let us celebrate the freedom that we have now found in your son, Jesus Christ. And let us seek to please him this year as we walk in this newness and walk in a way that's appropriate to one who calls himself a Christian. For those who have have had their hearts heavied through the loss of a loved one, a mother, a brother, a sister, a father. We are reminded by a Paul that we no longer grieve like the world grieves. We grieve as those who have hope, and yet we still grieve. We ask for the comfort that surpasses all understanding through your Son Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit moving through us to provide us the comfort and the confidence. As we look past the pain and the suffering, we despise the things of this world for we know the glory that lay ahead. And it is to that glory, through your son, Jesus Christ, that we look. It is through the glory of your son, Jesus Christ, that we place our hope. And it is through his name that we pray. Amen.